the way to kind of get taken seriously by brokers is is to be consistent, um, build relationships, especially if you're local in the area. If if there's a networking event or something like that, you know, you definitely want to kind of build those relationships. You know, like you said, a lot of times, like you you, you know, mentioned, there may be tired kickers, people calling, oh, I'm looking, and no, they don't have down payments. But I think the first hurdle is getting that first deal done. When you show a broker that you can get one deal done and it's a smooth process, the rest is history. What's going on, guys? This is the Passive Wealth Strategy Show, the show that will help you escape the Wall Street casino and build wealth by investing on Main Street, by investing in real estate. Today, our guest is Moses Hall. Moses is a leading commercial broker in the Chicago area. And today he's going to teach us about investing for impact in the Chicago area. He specializes in community development with a focus on urban communities, investment strategies, superior client services, and wealth generation through commercial real estate deals in the Chicago area. And I'm finding more and more that folks want to invest for impact. They want to make money, of course, that's that's built in. We want to make money, right? But we also want others and society to benefit from our investment. That's particularly uh, common, my generation, I'm in my 30s, but I'm a millennial. We're talked about be, as being young, but we're in our 30s now. And I think it's even more prevalent in Gen Z. And I'm I'm certainly happy about that. That benefits a lot of folks. And like I said, if you can make money while making a positive impact in the lives of others, great. Love it. And that's what we're learning about today. Specifically, make an impact by investing in certain properties in the Chicago area. Moses is going to teach us about that. We're also going to learn about how to work with a broker, how to work with a property manager to be successful. If you're an Apple Podcast user and you enjoy the show, please take a quick second, leave us a rating review on Apple Podcasts. Appreciate that so much. Five stars, if you don't mind, would be so much appreciated. That helps other people learn about the show. That helps us rank higher in the Apple Podcast ecosystem. And I'm always honest with you guys, that helps me feel good because I get to see that you're engaging with the content and escaping the Wall Street casino along with us. No matter what podcast app you use, if you haven't yet, take a second, look the show up, hit that subscribe button. That way you'll get every new episode straight to your mobile device every Monday, Tuesday, and Thursday. I'm your host, Taylor Lote. I'm a real estate investor. I'm a real estate syndicator. I buy real estate with passive investors and split the return. Like I said, I love this idea, these ideas around investing for impact. Of course, we want to make a profit and we want others to benefit from the use and the impact of our properties and our investments. And that's what we're going to learn about today with Moses Hall. Without any further ado, here we go. Moses, thank you for joining us today. Thank you for having me. I appreciate the opportunity. It's been great chatting with you here and you've accomplished some really cool things uh, being named uh, one of the top 30 under 30 class of 2019, really, really impressive and a leading broker. And we're going to have a really interesting conversation here for our listeners out there who don't know about you and your business. Can you tell us a bit about your background and what you do? Yes. My name is Moses Hall. I am the founder and owner of Mohall Commercial and Urban Development. We are a full service commercial real estate brokerage and development company based right here in the Chicagoland area. We have a commitment of revitalizing historically excluded neighborhoods and creating generational wealth for investors. I love that. I love that. And, you know, first I, I want to talk about, you know, investing with a purpose and how we can think about revitalizing some of those communities, because more now than ever in the past, I think folks are, are looking to make an impact with their investment. Like I said, before we hit record, especially 
our generation. We want to invest with a, a benefit that goes beyond the financial. Obviously, we want to make money, but we want somebody else to benefit in other than us as well. So can you tell us about revitalizing those communities and, and how you uh, go after that? Yes. So based here in the Chicagoland area, there is a lot of opportunity for revitalization. And there's a way, like as you kind of mentioned, to have community impact, but also see returns on your investment. And so my company, we strategize with investors and developers and creating opportunities to um, you know, take that dilapidated building that's been vacant forever to uh, couple it with uh, certain uh, government funds and grants and to restore it, to create uh, affordable housing where now you're seeing um, what we call in commercial real estate, uh, a capitalization rate. And so here in the Chicago Lane area, you can see a cap rate of nine, 10 percent, which is pretty, pretty good compared to other markets like New York and California, where you may be satisfied with a four percent capitalization rate. So there are ways to take blighted buildings that were vacant, tore down and have community impact, you know, uh, provide affordable housing and then also still make a return on your money. So, you know, that's what my company does. We we assist investors, especially those that are out of state that, you know, you may have your money sitting in a savings account and it's not really doing much for you. We advise you how to invest, how to identify properties. We give you a whole team from property management to insurance agents to all different types of things from every step of the process. Um, to kind of aid um, in in this uh, mission. So, like I said, we 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 specialize in the south and west sides of Chicago, which are typically lower income communities, and we help with, uh, like I said, restoring some of these vacant apartment buildings, retail strip centers, and putting small businesses in these communities, and also attracting anchor tenants to the community as well, providing jobs, housing, and opportunities. I love it. I love it. Making the making the system work and, and benefit others. Now, you mentioned um, state and, and local and grants and incentives, those kinds of things. Can you tell us a bit more about what those actually are and, and what folks are using in their investments in that area in particular? Yeah. So uh, one particular grant uh, that the city of Chicago offers is called the Neighborhood Opportunity Fund. You can receive up to $250,000 for a revitalization of a retail uh, storefront or strip center. So imagine, and of course, that's just on a smaller scale. You can go before a committee and request a larger grant size um, that, like you said, it's a grant, doesn't have to be paid back. They want to revitalize some of these dead commercial corridors. And here you are as an investor, if you're trying to punch the numbers and you say, oh, here's an opportunity. I, you know, I saw that they're building this development and here's a vacant retail strip center. I know I can grab this type of tenant and it would thrive in this, but hey, it's going to cost me X, Y, and Z to really build up this uh, center to gut it and to, you know, uh, uh, customize it for a tenant, I can couple it with this uh, grant opportunity. Like I said, on a smaller scale, you can apply for up to 250000 On a larger scale, you would have to go um, to a committee. I think you can get up to like $3 million. So developers and investors are using these type of grant programs to make the deal make sense while still having community impact. That's great. That's great. Now, I, one of the most important things when we're evaluating a deal 
is understanding the neighborhood really at a, a, a very close level, right? We want right. to make sure, you know, we know what we're looking at and everything, especially for your, uh, your investors, your clients from out of state. What do you recommend as far as kind of getting to know those neighborhoods and, and really understand the, the dynamics, I suppose, other than basically moving to Chicago? <laughs> <laughs> so the, the, the interesting thing about Chicago, it's literally a block by block thing. And the only way to really learn that is to have boots on the ground for you. And so that's where someone like me comes into play um, in navigating the Chicago neighborhoods and understanding the dynamic of each area. And also, I want to, I cannot stress this enough to every investor, especially if you're not local to your property and investment property, your property manager property management company is the key to your success. And I think people, they they try to scrape dollars. Oh, I don't want to pay someone to, all they're doing is collecting rent. If you hire a, a phenomenal property management company, they are supposed to be your strategist. They are supposed to go in and tell you, oh, hey, we noticed that the water bill is a little bit high this month. I think you should, or hey, we foresee this happening. I think you should cushion for this, or hey, there's a vacancy. I think if we put the rent here, we can secure a tenant at this. So your property manager is your eyes and ears once you've acquired this investment. And I think what happens is, especially here in the Chicago market, is investors, they get excited about the the pricing and the numbers, like, you know, you can get a 13 unit apartment building for under a million dollars here in Chicago. I know in California, you can barely get a two bedroom teardown. <laughs> so when they see, oh my God, I can get a whole, you know, apartment building for under a million and their eyes get big and they're just looking at the, the numbers on the sheet. But then when they actually buy it and they realize it's not operating the way it's stated on the paper or the offer memorandum they saw, then they're like, you know, in over their heads and they're stressing because it's not performing. But if you have the right property management company, they can definitely turn that building around. And so I think that's important. I want to stress to investors, please, please take the time to do your due diligence on interviewing the right property management company. Don't just go for the cheapest or the largest. Go for the one that works good for your investment property. So that is an interesting, uh, a very good point. I mean, I've been in a situation in the past where it wasn't working out with a particular property manager. So we had to find it actually more than one situation. We had to find a new <laughs> one. Uh, but finding that new one is very difficult. And I'm thinking of one in particular where there's a limited supply of, of alternatives in yes. that case. Yes. Is How much does that happen in Chicago particularly? And I, I mean, I, I don't want to be, I don't intend to be rude about this, but no. if we're if we're talking about lower Correct. income, maybe more kind of dangerous areas, Correct. if you will. You know, what are your options? Uh, there's not many. And so what happens is sometimes it's a conflict of interest. If you get a property management company and they already own a thousand to 2000 units for themselves. Um, so what gets a priority their buildings versus your little 12 unit that, you know, you bought and you think it's going to get the most attention. I think the, the what you do is you find that property, that middle kind of property management company that can be in the weeds with you and kind of grow with you as you grow your portfolio. Uh, like you said, don't always go with the cheapest. Don't always go with the most well-known. You have to go and really sit down with them and see if they have a strategy. Like you mentioned, good property managers are, are hard to find. And what a lot of 
people do is they they sell these investors the dream. Yeah, yeah, we can do this. We, you know, blah, blah, blah. and then you get it, and then you realize. And I've literally, I've I've literally walked into a building, right, uh, a multifamily building, walking with a shown with a buyer, and there was a shutoff utility notice under the door because the property management company did not pay the utilities. And so the the seller's agent literally called the seller like, oh my God, do you know that this is the, and he immediately fired them. But that's what I'm saying. Little things like that um, can literally cost you your operation. And so it is hard to find good property managers. But like I said, when you do find someone you, like you said, you treat them well, you take care of them. And I the incentive for certain property management companies is as you grow your portfolio, they can manage your portfolio. I think the way that property managers generate income is more so from the portfolio, how many units they manage. And so if you grow with them, then it makes sense versus, you know, if you have like a little three, four unit, it's not as as enticing. So to your point, there there is a challenge in finding good property management companies um, because I always get the calls when the investor's upside down and they just want to get out of their investment. I have to do the, you know, I, I literally have sold a building where I didn't even have keys to it. I didn't have keys to the building. Didn't have Nothing. I literally had to ask a tenant to make a copy of their key to get access to the main door. Wow. Yeah. So I've been in all types of crazy scenarios, but I was able to get the building. So multiple cash offers, we got it done, um, even in the craziness. But like I said, uh, property management is key. And any investor out there, I I definitely want to stress the importance of that. I appreciate that. Now, one of the things that that I think about here is like, for someone that's concerned about investing for impact, you've met, we've kind of touched on a few different asset classes, whether it's, you mentioned retail a little bit earlier, we've talked a little bit about a residential apartment building, yeah. things like that. In your opinion, where is the best impact to be had? Is it, you know, fixing up a, a retail location and, you know, basically helping someone provide jobs? Is it housing? What do you think? Uh, that's a little bit challenging. It's kind of like the chicken or the egg, which came first. And then <laughs> kind of, kind of work hand in hand, I will say the last thing that ever comes to any type of community is a hotel. So we know that's like the last thing that ever comes to any area. But in terms of of housing or jobs, but normally people move to certain areas for work. You know, uh, Amazon has definitely been busy building warehouses here in the Chicagoland area, which has provided a lot of opportunities for people uh, moving to certain communities and things like that. So typically jobs bring about people moving to certain areas, but also certain companies don't move to certain areas unless there's a demand. So it's kind of it really depends on the market. Um, but what, what we're seeing is there is a need for affordable housing across the board. We see that in certain markets like New York and California, where they have um, certain legislation such as rent control. We see that it doesn't work in the intended purpose. We can all agree that there is an affordable housing issue, but rent control is not the way to proceed. Uh, it comes from a federal level, state level in terms of enticing developers, because and I, like I said, I work with developers. If it costs me the same amount to build a luxury high-end building versus a low-income building, but my returns are higher on the luxury end. You know what I'm saying? I would go with the the luxury end. And so I think 
when, when we talk about rent control and developing, it has to come from a federal state level in order for those community impacts to make sense. Mm, okay. Now, a bit earlier, you mentioned about um, folks getting someone like you on their team. And Correct. I think, especially for newer folks that, that want to get into commercial, they don't really know how to approach a broker, right? It's, it's not true. the same as buying a house on the MLS. Correct. Correct. So what's the best way for someone to set themselves up for success if they're coming and tracking a Moses Hall down and they want to invest in the area? How can they basically get you to take them seriously? You know, the the way I work is I, I answer all inquiries, all questions. That's why I am excited to be on this platform to kind of share my knowledge. The way to kind of get taken seriously by brokers is is to be consistent um, build relationships, especially if you're local in the area. If if there's a networking event or something like that, you know, you definitely want to kind of build those relationships. You know, like you said, a lot of times, like you you, you mentioned, there may be tire kickers, people calling, oh, I'm looking and know that they don't have down payments. But I think the first hurdle is getting that first deal done. When you show a broker that you can get one deal done and it's a smooth process, the rest is history. They'll send you all their listings before it hits the market. They'll, you know, I I think the the biggest thing is getting that first deal done. Once you show a broker that you can close a deal, then the the rest is history. But like you said, you definitely want to reach out, you know, um, send messages. And like I said, sometimes it may take, if you're, because like I said, not every investor is a full-time investor. Like you said, you may work a nine to five job and you may say, Hey, I have about a hundred K sitting, you know, in this account. And then my cousin has a hundred K. We want to take 200 K and take down a apartment building. Hey, you know, how can you, can you guide us? And I think that's, you know, you got to keep that in mind. Everyone doesn't do this full time. So they're looking for someone to kind of guide them because like I said, it just sitting in a little savings account getting zero, 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 one percent versus, hey, I can tell you, hey, take that same money, invest it because you got to think about it. Like all you're literally doing is taking money, acquiring debt buying a property. And that's why I said your property management company is really doing all the day-to-day operations. They're handling the calls from tenants. They're renting it out. They're maintaining it. All you're literally doing is sitting back and collecting money. What if I could tell you, you take 100K and you're going to get back 50K each year and net operating income, that's a pretty good return. Yeah. That's not bad. You know what I'm saying? That that's a pretty if 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 you could take a hundred k that you got sitting in a savings account somewhere and invest it and get fifty k back a year, still working your nine to five or corporate job, you know. So I, I think it's important to build a team, not just having a broker, but having property management, having contractors, having a good insurance agent. I mean, there's so many things having a good, and I know it varies market to market, but here in the state of Illinois, we're an attorney state, so we use attorneys to close, but um, but they do add a lot of value. A good attorney adds a lot of good value in doing your due diligence um, when acquiring these properties, because like I said, a lot of times people buy these properties, they haven't done the correct due diligence, and then they see that it's not operating the way it was stated, and now you're scratching your head. Why didn't my attorney tell me this? So, so yeah, so I think it's crucial to, 
build a team. And I think the way to really build a relationship with a broker is to get that first deal done. And then that will open up the door for you. Nice. So as I mentioned a bit earlier on the call toward the beginning, you were uh, in, in Realtor Magazine's 30 Under 30 a couple of years back. And I wanted to ask you about that because you know, obviously not everybody makes that list. And <laughs> what do you think uh, sets you apart and and made that success possible? Yeah. So um, as, as I kind of mentioned, I am the broker and owner of Mohawk Commercial Urban Development. And so very rarely do you find someone under 30 um, in commercial real estate with their own brokerage. So that kind of set me apart as a minority as well. And then in addition, um, my my focus on community development made me stand out as well. You know, working on these projects and doing different things with investors and developers and not only bringing uh, jobs to communities, but also bringing housing. And so those two things kind of made me stand out from the rest um, and being a broker owner, commercial real estate and community impact. Nice. That's awesome. Quite the achievement. Very impressive. Right now, we're going to take a quick break for our sponsor. Have you ever wanted to invest in the private lending and debt side of real estate? You might find that going out and finding borrowers on your own is tough. When you find a borrower, you have the task of evaluating their plan all on your own. And the traditional way of lending private money highly concentrates your risk because you'll probably be funding the whole rehab loan on your own. That meant writing loan checks well into the hundreds of thousands of dollars, placing a lot of risk in individual borrowers and properties. Not to mention, there's a lot for you to know in terms of how to structure these loans so that you can help protect yourself and work with the borrower in your interests. Now, there's a new way to invest in the debt side of real estate that turns the private money lending space on its head. You can invest in a variety of debt instruments with this new platform with as little as $10 in each opportunity. You can diversify your investment across a wide variety of borrowers, geographies, and asset types. This new platform is called Ground Floor. They make it easy to invest in either your name or using your self-directed IRA. And if you don't already have a self-directed IRA, don't worry. They make it easy to get started and get one opened. Go to www.passivewealthstrategy.com slash ground floor to get started or click the link in the show notes. See the ground floor site for full terms and details of what they offer. Once again, that's www.passivewealthstrategy.com slash ground floor or click the link in the show notes. Back to the show. All right, Moses, I've got three questions. I ask every guest on the show, are you ready? Ready. All right, great. First one, what is the best investment you ever made other than in your education? The best investment that I ever made is starting my company, Mohall Music Publishing. We invest in uh, the rights to uh, notable, uh, famous artists. And so anytime a particular mu uh, music is played on radio, TV, aired on film, we collect a royalty check. And so, like you said, if we get paid out from BMI or ASCAP, it's like real estate investing, but intellectual property. Interesting. That is definitely a new one, not one that I've heard before. Are there any uh, artists or, or tracks we might be familiar with that you're... Well, yeah. With? So I have uh, I have a few tracks with uh, pop R&B artist Chris Brown, wow. also R&B 
artists, Trey Songs. I have a gospel artist. I have an EDM artist that I collect royalty checks from as well. So that's one of my best investments, smart investments, where it's passive investing. And, uh, you know, we're looking, we're like I said, we're just starting out, but we're also looking to grow. I also must mention that I do have a uh, college degree in music business and entertainment. So that's kind of where that kind of came from. Interesting. That's really cool. I've seen uh, one or two of those sites that sell rights, but I was always skeptical as to whether that's where really the deals were or if the real deals were, you know, kind of happening off market, like happened in real estate. Yeah, it it depends. You just have to have relationships in the industry. Uh, Prior to getting to real estate, I did work at a music publishing licensing company where we licensed uh, music on different TV commercials, films, and different things like that, working on campaigns with Pepsi, uh, the Olympics, and other things like that. So that's kind of where that background came from. (laughs) That's pretty cool. That's, that's, That's pretty cool. I like that. I like that. Yeah. We had the best investment. Now we go to the other side of that coin, the worst investment. What is the worst investment you ever made? Ooh, that's a tough one. I, I, you know what? I, I am. I I appreciate my college education. I really do. I really do appreciate the college education because it it, it helped me mature as an adult. I made a lot of uh, valuable friendships and relationships during my college years. But if I had to put a price tag on it, it was a very expensive, (laughs) a very expensive one that normally, like you said, if I wasn't an entrepreneur, um, you know, it it would be very, you know, it's a tough one. Like I said, I appreciate the experience and the valuable relationships of, of going to college, but the actual education part to put a six-figure price tag on it. That that that's pretty uh pretty. I'm not gonna say it's the worst investment, but it, it if I wasn't in real estate, I would be pretty bummed um <laughs> that I got the degree. So uh, yeah. but I like I said it did it did force me to become an entrepreneur. I bought you know being in college, my first business I actually started was me being in a band. And um, I play piano, so that, that's cool. what my my. Uh, and so what happened was I was getting hired by not only my college but other colleges to play for different events that the campus hosted. And then I realized that they would write the check out in my name, but I was splitting it with other band members until I got a a, a, a form, tax form, saying I had to file taxes on this. And I realized, oh hey. I need to incorporate us as a corporation so that we can operate as a legit business. And so at 19, I formed my first uh, business and got a business account. And I shared my vision with my bandmates. And we literally, at 19, 20 years old, we were getting booked three, three, four events a week while still being in college paid. So so that that's why I say I I, I don't regret the college, <laughs> but the actual price tag on it is 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 where I, I kind of you know go in limbo about. But yeah, so if I had to say worst investment, I would mm, yeah have to lean on the on the college investment. <laughs> I, 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 yeah, I'll take that. Sounds a little a little overpriced, but but productive at the end of the day, I suppose. Because, like you said, you have to make the best out of it. I think, not to go on a tangent, I think where we miss the the mark on college is that it's perceived that if you get straight A's, that it ins- ensures success for you. But you have to take 
uh, the, the reins of your own future and success. You have to be hungry for it. You have to go out and get it. Whether you decide to be an entrepreneur or whether you decide to work in the corporate, you have to be hungry for it. You have to be relentless and never give up. And I think that's what they fail to teach you. It's not just about getting straight A's and thinking that it ensures your success. The biggest thing is about networking, building those relationships and, and being hungry uh, to climb to the top. Nice. My favorite question here at the end of the show is what is the most important lesson you've learned in business and investing? The most important thing I've learned, there's so many lessons. Real estate teaches you so many things. Um, but I will say this, being from a broker perspective, if there's any other brokers listening to this, do not count your money until it is in <laughs> your account. Not, not at the closing table. Mm-hmm. Until the check, it is in your hand and it is cleared in your account. And I know that seems super basic, but um, getting into this industry, you know, a lot of people are like, oh, I'm getting into real estate. I'm going to make a lot of money and I'm going to do all this stuff. And just from a broker perspective, an investor uh, perspective, there's still risks that carry. And I think a lot of times people get in thinking that they're going to make a bunch of money and they don't really calculate their risk and they get in, a, in over their head. And that's why a lot of times, like you said, a lot of these buildings that people bought, they have to liquidate them because it's not making the money and different things like that because they already started making plans. Um, and so I want to you know, realize, let people know that there's risk involved in this industry, but you can make calculated risks to minimize those um, challenges that may arise. So like I said, there's a lot of um, points from A to Z um, to get those profits that we look for in real estate. So please don't be naive thinking that because you got it under contract that it's yours or because you're at the closing table that it won't be a dry closing. You know, it, it, there's a lot of things that can happen. So I, I just want people to be realistic in their expectations and their goals get into this industry. Nice. Well, that is certainly a very good lesson. If folks want to, and thank you for joining us today. If folks want to reach out, they want to get in touch. They want to talk more about investing in Chicago for impact in those communities. Where can they track you down? You can find me on all social media, Moses Hall, M-O-S-E-S, Hall, H-A-L-L. I'm on LinkedIn, I'm on Instagram, I'm on Facebook. Um, you can reach me anywhere. Like you said, you know, please look me up, Google. I, I look forward to hearing from all of you people. Great. Well, thank you once again for joining us today. To everybody out there, thank you for tuning in. If you're enjoying the show, please leave us a rating or review on Apple Podcasts. Appreciate that so much. That helps other people learn about the show. That helps us rank higher in the Apple Podcast ecosystem. And I'm always honest with you guys. That helps me feel good, gives me the warm and fuzzies because I know you're engaging with the content and you're escaping the Wall Street casino along with us. If you know anyone else who could use a little bit more passive wealth in their lives, please share the show with them and bring them into the tribe. Thank you for tuning in once again. I hope you have a great rest of your day. We'll talk to you on the next one. Bye-bye.